These are our words. Jen Campbell reviews a new anthology examining the poetics of deaf and disabled cultures. That stares and whispers deaf and disabled poets write back. Published by Nine Arches Press. Edited by Sandra Allen, Kerony Barocca and Daniel Sulman. As a writer with Etridactyly, I often despair at how disability and disfigurement are portrayed in the media. Recently, I left a screening of Wonder Woman not feeling empowered, as so many others did, but frustrated that yet again a disfigurement had been used as a marker for evil. When director Patty Jenkins was asked about the villain's portrayal in the film, she said via CBR.com, quote, it was about damage and darkness and what creates evil, end quote. It can be frustrating to have conversations about why this is problematic with those who are not disabled and who do not have disfigurements, as often I am told that it's just fiction or just a metaphor or just tradition and I need to get over myself. It's at this point I realise they are not paying attention to what I'm saying because, apparently, they care more about defending what society has taught them to expect from heroes and villains rather than the lives of those who are directly affected by these stereotypes. This is a complicated topic and one I don't have space to cover here, but if you're interested in my thoughts, you can Google Jen Campbell, Villains and Deformity. Stares and Whispers, Deaf and Disabled Poets Write Back is a book to slam down in front of those who defend these lazy tropes. It's not a book created for those people either, which is just one reason why it's so great. In its introduction, co-editor Sandra Allen doesn't hold back when explaining why this book is necessary. Quote, Non-disabled people are generally not interested in our stories, unless, of course, they are telling them. Unless our bodies and minds are performing the struggle of the noble, pitiable crip. Unless we act as foils for the development of a non-disabled character. Unless we are so very grateful. End quote. So here are those stories. Reclaimed, intersectional voices telling stories of visible and non-visible disabilities in poems, essays, manifestos, visual art and audio. Stories that are accessible in many different formats, along with lists of deaf and disabled terminology and author notes. Stories that are well worth your time. Claire Cunningham fills space with absences by listing some of the things her body has not done. Holly McGill, at the end of her poem Registered, declares, quote, I am taken as read, close quote. That is, simultaneously flagged by certain people, homophone, read, but also deemed understood by those who do not take the time to understand. Using this as the last line of her poem, she underlines the finality of this one-way conversation, here flipped on its head. Mickey Burns' Disabled Woman Swimming describes the titled scene with such precision that it reads like a painting, and one cannot help but hold one's breath alongside the subject as she, quote, pushes scarred feet off the tiled walls, takes another breath through damaged lungs, stretches the shoulder that was repaired, and swims. End quote. When a person's disability is combined with another marginalised identity, the ignorant assumptions made by others snowballs. Abby Palmer challenges ableist assumptions in Wolf's A Room of One's Own, applying them to the 21st century. Riza Kabir discusses the difficulty of demonstrating when so many protests are not accessible or safe places for disabled people, when governmental bodies are claiming her own. In her poem Untitled, excerpt, the narrator collapses at a Black Lives Matter protest. 
Quote, a swarm of cops, I froze, aware of the state's hands on my disabled body. Close quote. In his essay, A Language We Both Know, Raymond Antrobus talks of how he struggled to stay awake at school. Unable to hear what the teacher was saying, he became exhausted with the effort. Quote, Once it was noted that my dad was Jamaican, it raised the question of whether I was smoking weed. Close quote. Now, he explains, quote, My poems are deaf poems because they are defiant in how they take up space on the page, not searching for loss, but for something gained. Close quote. Isha continues this conversation on assumption in a poem mystified at the lies told to disabled people, lies that they could probably do something they can't do if only they were willing to try a little harder. In pieces, quote, he can pick things up and put them down, hmm? Pretty lies paper the land, slip into the sea so delicately. She takes them with her and they are found floating. Likewise, Kathy Bryant lays out the myths and whispers surrounding her, her writing and her disability, deftly weaving the contradictions of those not willing to listen within a space she controls. In her poem, Miss Bryant is Dangerously Delusional, she says, After all, she does claim to be a creative writer. We do not dispute that Miss Bryant is disabled. She has made an occupation of tailoring her disability to her advantage. End quote. There is a need to portray disability and disfigurement in real terms, yes, not to erase the lived experiences of those within the community. All too often, stories depicting disabled characters written by non-disabled writers gloss over the less interesting aspects of their lives, preferring to frame them as ethereal. Kitty Coles gives voice to this in her poem Migraine, saying, quote, I tell my hands to move. I am amazed to see them hopping, jerking, marionettes, wild bunnies, close quote, linking her body to anything that is not her body. For those outside it have no other reference points. But then, quote, the pain, considerably less interesting. It is bashing, insistent. It swallows everything, close quote. The pain takes away her voice, not only literally, but because no one wants to hear her talk about it. Alternatively, metaphor and legend have always been popular methods for exploring the body, and when coupled with realness, the results can be striking. None less so than in Marky Bernhope's closing poems, this is from The Eves Were Us. Quote, Our narrative's not of girls. We were no one's sisters or daughters, but girls made monsters of weeks, raised as bane of fathers, wolves and women. End quote. This anthology plays with the idea of altering the structural body of a poem to discuss bodies, and in so doing reclaims both page and body. The poems of the people are the poems. Sandra Allen personifies this for us, or rather for herself. Quote, the poem will speed up or slow down, give you a transcript, let you leave and come back later if you feel like it. It takes you by the hand or elbow or chair handles, nods or writes a secret word if you don't like to be touched, in your lap braille appears, and on your ears a headset, sound loop installed audio cued. The poem leans on its crutches to study you, smiling. Close quote. In this book, these poets aren't just writing back. Their poems are sent to stage where they find themselves in the spotlight finally. Here they are, real and present and gleaming. Jen Campbell is a best-selling author and award-winning poet. 
Her latest book is The Beginning of the World in the Middle of the Night, which is published by Two Roads, November 2017. You can listen to her talking about books at youtube.com forward slash Jen V. Campbell.